Tonight on The Antidote, we meet the talent of He-Sun Lee. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm really curious as to how being a rapper started for you, He-Sun. Um, so I was always into poetry. Uh, I don't remember this, but my mom used to tell me that when I was little, I always had a thing for, uh, you know, the little uh, children, I guess, songs and everything. I would always memorize them with her and, you know, play it back. So I always had a thing for that. And then as I kept getting older, um, I would always write stuff here on the side and I was doing poetry. And then when I got into, I guess, junior high school, towards the beginning of high school, I started listening to hip hop and I would just uh, memorize a lot of the lyrics. I would rap them on my karaoke machine. And um, I just started realizing, hey, I actually like doing this. Let me try and write my own rap stuff. And, you know, it, it was it was literally a, a snowball effect. It was very small footsteps here and there that I was taking. And then it just gradually became into something that I realized that I was in love with. <laughs> then with your background being in poetry, is rapping simply a vehicle for your poems? Or I guess, is there any way of putting a dividing line between the two? Yeah, I would definitely say poetry is, is you know, my first thing. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I focus more on hip hop and rap right now. I mean, I could be wrong. I just feel like it's a little bit more popular. It's a little easier to push. Um, I know there's definitely a, a huge uh, poetry, spoken word um, community that goes on. And I've, you know, I've, I've dabbled in it a little bit. But I think um, once I started doing hip hop, I just, you know, it kind of just took over my life. But I never forget, you know, spoken words and poetry. I always manage to put them on my albums. I still perform at least one spoken word uh, for all of my sets. I just let people know that that is my first love. That's what really just drove this whole thing um, and made it all happen to begin with. And, um, you know, not to get corny or anything, but hip hop is an attachment to poetry because in essence it is poetry. So it's just with a beat, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to come across as being narrow-minded, but realistically the odds of you finding a place as a rapper were all stacked against you. You know, here you are, female, yeah. Asian-American, and a Christian. You had some right. hurdles to jump. So how yeah. were you able to break into the scene? Yeah, um, I think it was just, uh, you know, it wasn't anything uh, drastic or like something mind-blowing happened. I just told myself that, uh, hey, I'm going to do it, you know. And I think um, growing up, I was adopted. Um, so when I was in high school, I had a lot of identity issues as to who I was. And then I just became just really angry person. Like I just, I felt like, you know, my own race was an understanding of who I was because I was adopted and I just started rebelling and I said to myself, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't really care what other people are going to think of me. And um, I think that's why I embraced hip hop so much because it was so, um, you know, so bold, you know, and all these rappers out there who were just, you know, rapping their hearts out. They didn't care what people thought of. Um, and to this day, I'm still a huge Tupac fan. Obviously, I don't approve of his lifestyle, but I, uh, I just loved his passion. Um, he went all out with what he believed in. And I think that's what fueled me to do what I did. It was more like, you know what? I don't really care what people are going to think of me. I've been judged all my life. So, hey, what more is a couple more judgments, you know? So I, I said, um, I'm going to do this. I, uh, I went to these open mic places. I don't know if you're aware of New York that well, but um, I'm from Staten Island and um, that's a very suburban area. And then I went to this open mic spot in Queens, New York. It was like, you know, not where I should be. You know, it was like, what is this Asian girl doing here? It was um, 
it was something that, you know, you have to have a lot of balls to do. And I, I remember I walked in there, I had a do-rag on my head. <laughs> I had Tim's on. I look back at that now and I'm like, what were you doing? Like, even though you wanted to prove a point, I mean, you looked a little crazy. <laughs> but that was me. I was more like, you know what, who cares what people are going to think? You know, I've, I've been getting judged so much as it is. This is what I love to do. So I'm going to do it type of thing. <laughs> Well, I suppose if anyone really wanted to stereotype you, they would have you doing K-pop with to anyone. Right. <laughs> you brought this up, though, in a song, I Break Stereotypes, really lays out who and what you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's something that we definitely lack in this world, I guess, is that society kind of places these stereotypes on people. And it's natural, you know, the way that you're raised, how you grow up. That's really the direction that you go as you get older, the profession that you go into, the people you marry, you know. And before you know it, you look back at your life and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm just regular, you know. And I don't think, and not that being regular matters, but I think that people don't even realize that a lot of stereotypes that are placed on them actually direct their paths in life and I was one of those people who I noticed it early I'm like you know what this is not me I'm not going to do a certain thing just because I'm Asian or you know this is where I come from this is my uh my background or anything you know I told myself that I feel that God has placed something in my life and as crazy as it sounds um I want to go ahead and do it you know and um I think once people get that in their minds that you know we're not subject to be those people that just have to do what society tells us to do we can be better we can go all out you know once more people get that in their minds i think this world could definitely be different it could be better you know just a better place to live in and that's what i try and do when i perform is uh just tell this message to people that we can break stereotypes we can we can be that person that we dream about you know that uh, society doesn't think we can be you know all that good stuff <laughs> Absolutely. But of course, yeah. your background always comes into what you're doing. Would being yeah. Asian, being of Korean descent have any influence on what you're recording? It does. But um, I mean, I know a little bit about being Korean, but um, because I was adopted, I only learned about being Korean through my friends and, you know, just things I, I looked up and read about. Um, but I guess just not just being Korean, but I guess being Asian because my parents are Chinese. So, yeah, I mean, it does have an effect on me, the things that I rap about, uh, things that I see, certain standpoints that I believe in. It is going to shine through in some of my lyrics, but I also believe I'm very open minded. Um, I grew up, again, in a very suburban area. There's not a lot of Asian people where I live. And uh, so that opened me up. And then growing up in high school and college, I had all different types of friends. Um, so I wasn't just, you know put into one type of race. I kind of lived with a lot of different races. My parents are Chinese, but they were born in Brooklyn, New York. They speak perfect English. They're not your typical Asian parents. My whole family's mixed. So I'm just like the United Nations, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So if that doesn't come into it, something that does come in is your Christian faith, because that pops up on virtually every track. Is that yeah. really a natural thing? Yeah, it is. Um, when I first started rapping, I told myself I'm going to uh, I'm going to rap about what's real to me. You know, I'm not going to rap about, hey, uh, this is what female rappers are rapping about on on the radio. This is what I should rap about. You know, I said I'm going to rap about what what's in my heart, what I feel is necessary uh, for me to say to people. And the first stuff that I used to rap about was all um, it was all Christian lyrics. I'm trying to remember because it's so long ago, but I, I believe that when I started writing like rap songs, that was around the time I was finding my life with God. Like I was that new believer and I was hype and I was amp as a Christian. So, you know, naturally the first things that I would write about were, were Christian uh, lyrics. 
you know, it was about my struggles, things that I was going through. And obviously that correlated into my faith. That was something I always told myself that I was going to be real. And, um, you know, uh, Christianity and God always shine through. It always came out first in anything that I wrote about. So hip hop includes some really popular Christian artists, you know, guys like Andy Mineo, Trip Lee, yeah. NF Tadashi, Derek Minor, and of course, Lecrae. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that they could actually be keeping the door closed for other artists? Because they really tend to dominate the scene. I actually like the fact that you asked that because I don't get that asked a lot, but I think that is actually true. Um, as much as I feel like Lecrae and the whole Reach camp, they uh, they they have opened a lot of doors for um, other artists, you know, including myself, because Christian hip hop was very, you know, closed. You know, a lot of people didn't think about it or care about it. They thought it was corny. But I've heard so many testimonies. People said, oh, when I heard Lecrae or I heard Reach. You know, I realized Christian hip hop isn't whack, you know, so it it really opened the path for a lot of us to do our thing. But at the same time, I feel like it's like a popularity contest in Christian hip hop. You know, if you're not in reach, if you're not one of these artists, you know, you're not going to get booked, you know, and, and I think it's not just being on reach records. It's also being a female. I don't think any female rappers have ever really toured on these major tours there's oh it's always the same artist it's like okay if we didn't get this person from reach next year we'll get this person from reach and the year after that we'll get this other person from reach it's always somebody from like a very popular record label and you know that's life it's not just christian hip-hop you know you go with what's popular you go with who sells and who puts people in the seats but uh i think it also is limiting because um it makes it kind of hard in other ways for people like myself to get shows because if you're booking the same people, how are the other people <laughs> supposed to get these uh, chances? And um, I mean, I'm not saying I've never gotten opportunities. I have. I've, I've been on multiple festivals, but it's just a struggle, you know, and I, and I think on top of it, it's just being female. It's uh, it's almost impossible to get uh, headlined on these major tours and, um, you know, something I'm working on and uh, hopefully we could change that in the future. And that would keep it from being boring. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're monotonous, the same routine. Yeah. I don't think you really fit into the traditional mold anyway. You brought yeah. up a moment ago about being honest in your music. Right. And I really think that a lot of Christians don't want to say what they really think. You know, right, I guess right. they're just trying to be overly polite. That's something that I appreciate about your music, Hison, is that you never hesitate to share your opinion. Right. You brought up this one thing on stereotypes where it takes a satirical look at role models. Yeah. Obviously, this isn't the kind of role model you want to be in right. that song, but what kind of person do you want to present? Yeah, I want, um, you know, especially for females, I want to show them kind of what I was talking about before about stereotypes. It's to just um, break out of that mold of being typical, of being what, you know, you think society needs you to be. And, um, when I started rapping, I didn't say to myself, hey, I'm going to rap about sex and, and, and money and, and drugs and, you know, things that I'm not, obviously, just because that's what's popular. I'm going to do what I feel is right, what, what God called me to do, and that is to inspire young ladies. That's to um, encourage them, to give them hope, you know, that, you know, you don't have to be a rapper, but just do something that, that you feel is what God calls you to do, whether it's, you know, the traditional way or whether it's what your parents want you to do, you know. Um, and I've gotten so much feedback over the years, you know, people just messaging me, telling me that you're very inspiring and in what you're you're writing about and what you're, you're rapping about, um, you know, because you don't hear that a lot from especially female rappers because it's all about an image. It's all about um, 
appealing to people and not, you know, doing what everybody else is doing. They can do whatever God called them to do. It doesn't matter if people see that in them or not. If God sees it in you, you can do it. And, um, you know, just to stay encouraged, even if you're the only one at the time doing it, even if you're sitting by yourself in your room thinking like, oh, my gosh, this will never happen, you know, because that that was me, you know, and it can happen if you just keep pushing yourself. And I, I, I really just pray that my music, you know, helps. I had a really interesting time looking over your albums. Your first oh, okay. release, Redefined, has 14 tracks and is almost right. an hour long. Stereotypes, an hour 10 over 16 tracks. You've only pared that down a bit on Beauty for Ashes with 11 songs. Do you never run out of topics to cover? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sometimes I say to myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm running out of subjects here. What else can I rap about? But um, I think that's the beauty of being an artist is that there's always things that are inspiring you, you know, every day that you live. I don't think the way normal people think, because even when I'm talking with my husband, I'll just be watching TV or I'm looking out the window and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just thought of something to rap about. And my husband's looking at me like I have three heads. He's like, what? You know, because these things are always constantly turning in my head like, oh, my gosh, I just thought of that. Now I could put this together and I can make a song out of it. You know, so um, even to this day, like uh, I just put out Beauty for Ashes in October and we're already talking about doing a, a follow up EP now. And I'm, I'm trying to think of things to write about and I'm already getting inspired. It's just something that's always there. And I think it's something that, that has to do with artists. You know, we're always constantly thinking, even even when we realize we're not thinking. So <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> you just can't turn that switch off. Right. And sometimes I wish I could, though. The album Beauty for Ashes has Let Me Talk, where you criticize Christian rappers for performing right. only because it's a business. Right. That they're not totally sincere in what they do. Yeah. Was it somebody or something in particular that brought that about? Yeah. Yeah, it was on multiple shows that I've seen, you know, and not, I mean, not just not just dedicated to one artist it's just you know random things i've seen throughout the years of doing music and i you know i even said it in i think my third verse that you know i'm guilty of it too you know we're human a lot of times we can't be that perfect uh christian rapper that we're supposed to be you know we we become selfish we become prideful we think about ourselves but you know i just feel like nobody's talking about it nobody uh mentions it they think it's okay they overlook it you know it's becoming like okay how are we different from regular rappers now if we have this arrogance and we have this all this pride when we're rapping when we get off the stage i mean we talk about god constantly when we're on stage and then we get off stage and it's like are we even christian anymore you know we don't have time for our fans we separate ourselves and there are limits as artists, we're human, we get tired, and we can't always constantly be catering to people. But at the end of the day, we're here to serve, you know, whether we're artists, or whether we're preachers or anything, you know, we're here to serve, we're here to do God's work. And if we feel like it's becoming more about ourselves, then we need to check ourselves. And we need to see, okay, hey, wait, you know, what's what's happening here. And I feel like that song was just more, hey, check yourself, see where your heart is. I had to check myself, you know, I, I feel like I, I mess up sometimes too. So that was the point of the song. I, I was hoping that nobody took offense to it, but I've, I've literally been getting all good feedback from it. So, But as an artist, this is also a business too. And isn't yeah. it tough to balance those two aspects of it, the ministry it and the business? It is. And, and that's why I, I try and be understanding of it because, yeah, it is a business. And, you know, like I said, we are we're human. I mean, I've, I've experienced it. I've gotten off of stages and I've been tired and you have fans that want to come up to you and talk to you. And sometimes you just want to go into the green room or something and just cool off and not have to talk to anybody. 
And from the outside perspective, it looks like, oh my gosh, this person's about themselves. But I feel like, again, there are, there are limits to it. Like you can do that, but at the end of the day, you need to come out, you need to talk to your fans, you need to show them that this is about them, not about you, you know? Um, so yeah, like even you're saying, there are business things and business sides to it. Um, like there was one tour I did and um, I did it with multiple artists. And at the end of the show, I was the only one out there greeting the fans. I was by my table talking it up with everybody and all the other artists were upstairs in the green room. And I was saying to myself, what is wrong with this picture? Why am I the only one down here? And as a business side perspective, you should be down there. You know, you want to connect with your fans. You want to, you know, not saying that this is what it's all about, but you want to sell CDs. You want to sell your product. You just want to look good. You know, you want to show people that I'm doing this for you guys. So after the show is over, I'm going to talk to you guys and show you that this is why I'm doing it. And when you're upstairs, you know, just cooling off for an hour, it's like, okay, this, there's something wrong here. You know, whether you're a huge artist or a beginner artist, you know, you have to always be humble and, and remember why you're doing this. So, yeah, those things were really inspiring me to write this song. The album cover for Beauty for Ashes is disturbing, showing skin being stripped from your face, revealing right. ash underneath. It's the opposite of your stereotype album, which right, has a right. photo of a polished white mannequin wearing this right. form-fitting dress. Yeah. Were you aiming for shock value with this new release? I was. Um, I didn't know how graphic it was going to look until it actually was done. I was like, whoa. Um, yeah, I just wanted the whole, like, to really show it that, um, you know, this is what I mean by Beauty for Ashes. And I think nobody's confused by it now. Um, yeah, I, I really didn't know how well the uh, the makeup lady was going to do it. I mean, as she was getting it done, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this looks really real. My daughter was with me, at, you know, she was four years old then, and she started almost crying. She's like, Mommy, don't ever do that again. You know, she was so scared to see my face like that. <laughs> and then uh, on top of that, we got the graphic designer who, uh, you know, touched it up and fixed it on the computer. And it just even looked, you know, even scarier. So, uh, but when I, when it was all said and done, I said, wow, this is it. This is the cover. This is what people are going to realize that this is what Beauty for Ashes means. People who aren't even Christian and don't even know the term beauty for ashes, I think they'll get it just by looking at the face. So it did its job. So effectively, you really are a troublemaker. I am. I am little <laughs> little Asian girl from Staten Island. <laughs> you brought up about you being adopted by Chinese-American parents. Mm -hmm. Bloodlines on Beauty for Ashes really opened up my eyes to people who are mm. adopted. Can right. you share about the adoption and about that song? Yeah, so um, yeah, I was born in Korea, and then I was given up right after birth. I never met my birth parents, um, but uh, yeah, I came to uh, Staten Island, New York, when I was four months old. My parents that I have, they're my they're my parents. You know, I, I love them. They they're parents that, I mean, you can only dream of. I love them to death, and um, me having issues with my identity and feeling lost and everything really have nothing to do with them. It's just you know, it comes with the territory of being adopted. So. Um, I guess it's just something just woke up in me one day when I was in high school and I just said, hey, I don't know who my real parents are. I don't know why I'm Korean. I don't know my story. I don't know why I was born. Um, so bloodlines actually was what I went through all throughout high school. Like I would always, you know, people always get, oh my gosh, you know, so-and-so looks like their mother. So-and-so looks like their dad. Oh, you have his eyes, you know? And I would just sit there in silence like, wow, I will never hear that because I don't know what my real parents look like. And, you know, it's kind of like something you brush off, but when you hear it constantly, you know, around you all the time, it kind of gets to you. 
you know, and I didn't realize the impact it had on me until I had my first daughter. Because originally when I first had her, she looked exactly like my husband. So I was like, great, you know, finally have a bloodline <laughs> and she looks like my husband, you know, but then as she got older, like two years old, she started looking a lot more like me. And then people started saying, oh my gosh, Kayla looks exactly like you. I was like so in love with it, you know, because obviously everybody wants to hear that, but I felt like it meant so much more to me because I never heard those words in my entire life, you know, and I just, it, it just stayed with me. And to this day, it still stays with me. So I said, you know what, I have to write a song about this because I feel like it, it would just touch a lot of people. And people who've heard this song, they, they say like, oh my gosh, I never looked at life like that, you know, because they take it for granted when somebody says, oh, you look like your mom, you know, nobody thinks anything of it, you know, but until they heard my poem, they were like, oh, wow. Okay. Makes sense why you would write something like that. So I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. It made them think of things that they never thought about before. And that's always what I aim for is to, to you know, make people think more and <laughs> wonder. So during this talk, you've come across as being so focused and confident. Are there times where you're not so assured? Yeah, I think uh, I think that happens a lot. Uh, yeah, obviously nobody knows what anybody goes through when they're at home by themselves and they're you know they're stressed with life and you know I I mean I, I think I've I've gone through that a lot uh, recently actually with my husband because now that we have our second daughter um, I went independent you know we literally spent all of our money on this it wasn't you know somebody helping us you know it, it questions a lot of what you're doing like oh my gosh God you know you want me to still do this you know I'm emptying out all my pockets um, my husband's the only one really working we have two kids now um, I'm not where I want to be successfully and I think you know success wise like I, I wish I was further along in my career and I think a lot of artists think like that you know um, I was going through that a lot with this this recent album and even to this day you know I, I still think like you know I, I, I need to be better I need to be more ahead in my career um, as much as I feel like I've, I've done a lot I feel like there's so much more I can do but I'm getting older. Um, I have more responsibilities on my table now. Um, you know, God, what's up? <laughs> That's pretty much what I've been going through lately. And um, I showed it a little bit on Beauty for Ashes in my intro. I was kind of saying the struggles of being a mother and an artist. It's really hard. Um, yeah, at the same time, I try and balance it out, show people that, hey, I don't have it all together. You've left yourself totally open for this. Then how does yeah. his son Lee measure success as an artist? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, I, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. Because uh, I think in my career so far, I've been doing this for well over 10 years. And, uh, you know, I have done a lot of things successfully, you know, I've, uh, I've completed a number of albums, I've traveled all over the country, I've, I've done a lot of shows, I've reached a lot of people, you know, I've made very um, impactful songs. Uh, I have a great family, you know, is that that is success, you know, so what am I lacking? Like, what do I feel like isn't enough? You know, um, you know, maybe I don't have sold out seats when I perform and everything. And these are obviously little like materialistic, shallow things that you think about. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's also important. You want to be success in that way. You want to be able to, uh, you know, do these sold out tours and, uh, make all this money so you can support your career and you can con continue to make music and everything. So that's why I battle with, I say, you know, these little things that I've done are, are big. You know, maybe I haven't had everything that I wanted, but it's enough. It's enough that I'm still living. I'm still breathing. I'm still being able to do what I get to do. Um, you know, I feel like a horrible person sometimes because I'll yell at God one minute and then I'm thanking him and crying <laughs> that, that I yelled at him two seconds ago. I feel like I'm crazy. 
you know, so God's probably up there just laughing at me like this girl has no clue what she's doing, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I think I still really don't know what success is, but I feel like I am happy with my life and I'm happy with what's happened so far. So yeah, I guess I, I feel like I am successful, you know, if that made any sense. <laughs> that made total sense. Okay. <laughs> he son been wonderful to have you as a guest on The Antidote. Thanks so much for coming yeah, on. No problem. Thanks, Dave. <laughs>